Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly. Maddie is hoarding all the miniatures he can find and investigating non-extradition countries. We're not exactly sure why, but we're worried about him. This is round seven, turn nine, and I have got a special treat. The Game Breaker is with me. Hey, Paul, how you doing? Hey, yo, everyone. Doing great. Excellent. You're not doing great. All right, don't lie I'm to doing, us. I'm doing <laughs> average. Hey, everyone. I'm doing average. There How you, you go. <laughs> By the way, average is amazing in this time, right? I mean, average well, is, well. is cock of the walk. Uh, we are also joined by the casual gamer. Jake, how you doing? I'm doing so average. I am fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, Jake and Paul on the pod with me, it, it's going to be a fun episode no matter what we do. We are going to be talking about the 2007 release in the year of the Dragon by the master, Stefan Feld. And we're also going to be talking about uh, gaming culture and how we create, change, and shape the gaming culture of our own groups. Um, I think, yeah, we can, let's just jump right into it, guys. Should we talk about this week's game night? Uh, actually, before, before that, like, you know, sure. I want to say that uh, I have something uh, this week that is sort of embarrassing. Uh-oh. And that is... That the word conscious and conscience are spelt differently. <laughs> I did not know is, that. Is, is, is this a, is this, a, this, is, this is actually a revelation for you? <laughs> this is literally like I'm thinking about all the years of my life where I've dispelt it wrong, and I'm going like, oh man, this explains so much. Wow, so, you know, so humble, so humble. That's but awesome. It, that, that's awesome that you could uh, that, that you can uh, cop to that. That's awesome. Uh, well, you know, it was, it was, we all yeah, ha- we all have those things, right? We all have those things that we find out later. I I, I figured out that nonplussed didn't mean what everyone used it to mean. Like it was only three or four years ago that I realized, oh, I've been using nonplussed wrong the entire time, and now the dictionary has changed to make the opposite definition of nonplussed now an official definition of nonplussed. So, Jesus, that annoys me to no end. Oh, it kills me. It kills me. That I, I that is like a pet peeve. I just uh, all right. Good, when, I'm when glad the, you told me, but I when the incorrect yeah <laughs> when the incorrect oh definition God. becomes so prevalent that it becomes the definition. Yeah, ah. it's like just everybody didn't do their homework, so just whatever. <laughs> I guess it's cool then. <laughs> like, oh, like literally, like literally, yeah. yes, yes. Literally, that's what happened. Okay, cool. I mean, Good to know. Do these people not have a, a conscience? Yes, a conscience. A conscience, <laughs> which is how it's spelled. It, it does look weird. The word looks weird. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. And I was spelling, anyway, anyway, that, 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 that's my that's my uh, what's the word? That's my uh, that's my nugget for you guys today. As Confession far as, like, of the week. Where my how average my life is going right now. That's pretty darn average, man. <laughs> that is pretty darn average. That yeah. is that is middle of the road. Basic AF. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to this week's game night. Uh, for me, game night was pretty simple. Played some Teach You with the Family, a little bit of Ricochet Robots. Played some In the Year of the Dragon, since we are reviewing it tonight. That was a really fun 
game to get back to. And, of course, continuing my obsession with Imperial Struggle. I cannot get enough of that game. Um, what about you guys? What have you been up to this week? This week? Let's see. I've played uh, Imperial Struggle. Uh, Tekkenu, is that how you pronounce it? Like, you know... Uh, the that is how you pronounce in. it, yes. Yeah. The Obelisk uh, game. I, yeah, the Obelisk game. Uh, I played that with Jennifer. Uh, I play... Tate Walken, uh, In the Year of the Dragon, Marco Polo, and Libertalia, all of which, you know, were fun, but some you. of them were embarrassingly bad games on my part. Embarrassingly bad. <laughs> well, it's not if you win or lose, Paul. It's how you play the game. That's what Jake, you, that's what Jake keeps telling himself. <laughs> I used to think that. I used to think that, but like, oh my God, there was, a, you know. So it's whether you win or lose. We all know that. Oh no! Like uh, I, I play Tate Walken with Alfred, uh, Ben, and Trey yesterday, and I was going, "Oh my God, maybe this is my new Lahav," because I do not get it. It's just not. It just it's not clicking. You know what? I haven't played it in a while, and I'm I'm afraid that I am behind a curve now. Oh yeah, no, it, it's 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 one of those things where I go like, "Oh well, okay, let me try this." Oh no, I'm just last, and yeah. I, I played Marco Polo destroyed by Trey, like destroyed by everyone, actually. It was so, it, I, I, I played with uh, Alfred and Elder. Oh my God, it was, it was <laughs> embarrassing. It was just so embarrassing. This is like, this is their ebbs and flows of winning and I am in an ebb. <laughs> which, which character were you? I played uh, Marco Polo and brother. Oh, so dude, I, no. Marco and Nico, uh, Nicolo Polo, no. That, that's, they are, that, that's a finesse team. <laughs> that is a very that's a hard that's a hard one to win with okay cool. did did somebody play mercator uh trey uh played mercator and he won with mercator yes, Mercator. no mercator is overpowered you should not be playing with mercator anymore mercator is too, what it? too <laughs> Mar- much Mar- okay? i'm gonna say i'm gonna say it right here no 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 you played you played the the one that is generally considered the weakest Trey mm-hmm. played the one that is widely considered possibly too powerful. So there you well, go. That's I'm just well, there, throwing there that go. out there. All right. So don't beat yourself up, buddy. You're my brother, oh, and I, you're my brother, and I there love you. There you go. I love thanks, you. Thanks, thanks. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jake. Did you play anything other than in the year of the dragon this week? You know, I've been playing a lot of Teach You on my phone nice. by myself. Oh, because I don't have anybody to play with, but. It's one of my faves and one of my go-tos. And but doesn't I'll, more than I'd like to admit that I should probably be doing something else, but I can turn <laughs> to my phone and fall into that hole very easily. But doesn't Becky drive you crazy? Becky is the... Oh, my the... God. I actually changed her name because I couldn't stand looking at Becky effing me up every time <laughs> it was her move. <laughs> so for those who don't know, the, uh, the OS uh, implementation of Tichu has Becky being your partner in the mm-hmm. game. And she is, she's horrible. She's a Karen. I mean, let's, let's face it, she's a Karen. Very she's, loosely. she's basically a third competitor, as far as I'm concerned. She does. <laughs> she she makes she makes the worst. She makes moves that even Dimitri wouldn't make in that game. <laughs> it's so bad. And I was like, what is she doing? What is going? Yeah, what, I don't know. What What did the sadistic programmer that programmed her think was? was the right choice in this situation. I don't know. I, I like to think of her as like one of the Russian bots who's trying to rig the election. <laughs> it is so funny. I, yeah, Moira and I both, my wife and I both, when we're playing Tichu and we're, we're, we want to complain about somebody, either the other one of us or yeah. somebody on the other team, Yeah, they're just the Becky. 
You're yeah. Paulo Berkey? That's yeah. hilarious. We t- totally do. Like, that's a really, that's a hilariously fun in-joke. <laughs> yeah, like it is, right? right? So, I'm gonna do what, 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 are you, what are you doing there, Becky? <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Let me play my game. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that. And then, you know, we uh, game night. I was uh, I was there for that, of course, for the review. And I yes. got to try out In the Year of the Dragon. Yes. It was super cool. Looking forward to talking about it. Looking forward to talking about it. Let's move right along. Let's get to this week's news. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Alpha, South American. All the ships and Let's go to press. Game news. First up in game news, hey, we're reviewing a Steffen Feld game, and there happens to be not one but two pieces of Steffen Feld news right now. Just dropped. Uh, so it turns out that uh, Queen Games, Queen Games is a German publisher that makes, they tend to make big box, very beautiful games. Um... Some of the games I have by them are games like uh, Wallenstein. Um, they made Steffenfeld's Merlin, which is a, a horrible game, so don't get it, but stunningly gorgeous. <laughs> Highly no, no, anticipated. No. Oh, it was, the, it was the first, when when Trey and Matt and I were at Essen, it was literally the first thing we made a beeline to get. Got it. First thing game we set up, played it the first night, and we're like, Huh. <laughs> Um, and none of us wanted to be the first one to say it but we're like uh, so what are you thinking about the game Uh, I don't know I'd rather hear oh Matt what are you thinking about the game this game is not good (laughs) anyway uh, Queen Games is putting out two new games they're putting out a game called Hamburg and a game called Amsterdam but hold your horses we're not exactly getting two new Steffenfeld games because one of them is a is basically a redo of Macau, and the other one is a redo of Bruges. So uh, Hamburg is a redo of Bruges, and Macau is, Macau's redo is Amsterdam. Uh, my understanding is is that the rules changes to the game are going to be relatively minimal. Uh, there, there may be a few, but it's not going to be a hugely different uh, game. Uh, if you've never played Bruges or Macau. They're very good. They're fair. Ste- this is during Steffenfeld's uh, period where basically he could do no wrong. I think uh, Macau was in 2009 and Bruges was uh, 2013. And he was just pumping out hit after hit. Now, they're Steffenfeld games, so they are very, very point salady, meaning there's lots of different ways to get points. And the key of the game is trying to figure out what mechanism by which you can get more points than everyone else is, is hoovering up each and every round. Um, my favorite uh, Steffenfeld game is, uh, is still Castles of Burgundy. I think it's a, I think it's a, a classic by any definition. Um, but, I, but I've liked, I've enjoyed very much playing Macau. And uh, Bruges, I think I only played once, but I, think, uh, but I recall liking it as well. Have you guys, either you played either of those? Uh, I have not. Uh, it sounds like they're reskins, basically. Like you know. Yeah. Uh, that's a, but yeah, no, I have not. Uh, I think uh, by the time I started getting into the hobby, I don't know if uh, you know. Aside from like literally in the Year of the Dragon, I can't. And and Burgundy, I don't actually know of another one I played. Uh, Bora Bora, many by any chance? Nope. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I definitely haven't played either of these, but they look sort of familiar. Uh, the artwork and the the caricatures on the cards kind of remind me of something that I've definitely played with you. But. I mean, you have seen Macau on my shelf. I don't have it anymore. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. Yeah. But I have. Uh, but but I did own the game for a, a long period of time. And 
You know, I, I kind of now looking at uh, at at Amsterdam and and Hamburg, uh, they're they're beautiful. They're they're doing the city collection. Basically, all these games are going to be built around famous cities, and when you stack them up sideways to each other on a on a shelf on a gaming shelf, each one has a spire from that city. So the third game yeah. in the collection is going to be New York, and the fourth one is going to be Marrakesh, and Marrakesh is going to have that uh, that minaret. And New York has the Empire State Building, and it, it's really, uh, and they're all blended together. I'm looking at a picture that, um, of it, and it's it's actually quite quite cool the way they it? blend it together. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Although so, here's a sort of casual gamer question for you, which is: Is this something that is normal in the in the industry? Is reskinning something that has been going on for a while, or is this like a new trend where they take an old like favorite and and just basically re repaint it? Um, I wouldn't say that it's. I wouldn't say that it is common, but it's also not unheard of, and it's it's not unheard of going back quite some time. So I would say, uh, probably about ten years ago, things started to be uh, reskinned to some degree, based on you know, based on all sort all sorts of things. Like, wow, this game. You know, a publisher says. This is a great game. Why didn't people buy it? Well, maybe right. it's the maybe it's the theme. Let's you know. If I seem to recall a good example of that was with Dune, right? Didn't they just recently redo yeah. that imagery? Uh, for a different reason, yes. Uh, uh, so Dune um, has been reskinned many times. So the, the first thing that happened is, is um, uh, Fantasy Flight took Dune, and the problem was is the rights to the title Dune were very problematic, right? The, the okay. family of Frank sure. Herbert, who owns Dune, didn't extend whatever they, they couldn't get the rights to it so mm -hmm. fantasy flight saying hey there's this amazing game from the 70s nobody can get it there's very few copies out there people are paying hundreds of dollars to get one of these copies you can't um you can't uh, copyright a game mechanic so what if we create a game that has all of the rules of dune just set in a different universe. And hey, we have Twilight Imperium, so let's set it in the Twilight Imperium universe, and that's how they made the game Rex, and they were able to, to make Got a game it. that was basically like that. And now the rights to Dune have opened up again with the new movie coming out and so on and so forth. So Gale Force 9 put out a new reskin of Dune that's really not changed. I mean, they're making Dune. They're just, you know, they're just trying to, they tried to upgrade the uh, the look of the game, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but, but yeah, that's, 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 you're absolutely right, Jake. That that is something that that uh, that is done, and 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 I think it's I think with good reason. I, now, I don't think there was anything wrong with Bruges or with with Macau, so maybe this one is a little bit more of a of, of a money grab. But then again, if it's going to introduce people to games like you know Paul here, Paul plays a lot of games, and if he's only played two Felds in his in in his life. Maybe this is exactly the kind of thing. Maybe a, a new game right. int reintroducing a new generation. mechanic, yeah, 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 might be a way for for people like uh, uh, like Paul or like me. Like I said, I only played Bruges once. I think to uh, to to reacquire an old classic. I think that's not a bad idea. Cool. Next cool. up, next up, something called Fort. Fort is uh, okay. So of all the news this week, Fort is the thing I am most fascinated by. Um, Fort itself is kind of a reskin or a redo. It is based on a game from a few years back called SPQR, which is it was basically 
if you go around Italy or around the Mediterranean, you will see those letters everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was the it, it was the calling. It was the uh, tag <laughs> that the, the Roman, Romans the Romans put on put on every building that they could. Uh, it was the the, the the rule of their empire. Um, it, SPQR is a card based drafting game. And it's one of these, it's a very interesting game in that you have a hand of five cards or so. And on a given turn, you're going to play one of them to activate it. Then much like Glory to Rome, which is a, a game that we, we know and love from called Chuddock, um, other people can then glom onto that action by playing a card with a matching symbol. They're able to also partake of the main action that you're doing each round. The interesting thing about SPQR was that the other cards that you have left over, the ones that you haven't used to follow somebody else's action, and the ones that you, the one that you're not playing this round, they go out in front of you, and those cards are able to be acquired by the other players at the table. So instead of just drawing blindly from a deck of cards, you can actually construct your next hand using the cards that your opponent didn't use, and I, I, that's a very, very interesting mechanic. Um, but SPQR itself didn't really didn't really crush it. Um, I think maybe people were tired of the Roman theme or they didn't feel it was unique enough. Fort is a really great theme. It is uh, it, it, it's a game that plays in twenty to forty minutes, two to four players, and you're a kid. And like many kids, you want to get a bigger circle of friends. You want to grab pizza and toys, and you want to build the best fort. So it's a deck building game where you're trying to build the best fort. And when you play cards, you're getting pizza tokens and toy tokens, and the, the cards have suits like skateboard, shovel, glue, squirt gun, right? <laughs> um, yeah, the artwork is really good. As someone who's drawn into that you know, part of it, I know it doesn't super matter to you, but the artwork's really cool. Yeah. No, well, listen, I'm talking about the theme. I'm saying what, what really ignites me about it is that I love, the yeah. mechanics, I love the mechanics of the design already, and the theme just seems really fun and really fresh. Yeah, right. I completely agree. It looks really cool. Paul, did you have a yeah. fort growing up? Uh, did I have a fort growing up? It, it was what we did uh, every Saturday morning. Like I would wake up uh, <laughs> at six a.m. I would make I would just make the fort with my brother, and we'd watch Saturday morning cartoons until about eleven uh, a.m. At which point uh, we just went outside, and the fort would just stay up until my da- dad or mom got upset with it and then we had to put it away so this is a couch fort uh yes yes sure sure it's more like a pillow blanket couch fort like yes it's uh yes so that's why that's what that's what i did i i didn't i didn't have like wood or a hammer to to you know aiden and solea yeah aiden and solea have have been doing that did that for years and years and years Mm -hmm. and all I wanted to do was come out and relax on a Saturday morning, and I couldn't. There was nowhere to sit because all of the cushions and everything were all over the place. <laughs> what no. about what about you, Jake? Growing up, fort. You know, I'm a New York City kid, so it's not like I had a backyard. But pillow forts were definitely something that I enjoyed. I had bunk beds, and so we'd always hang the sheet over the top, and like that underneath the bottom bunk would be the would be the spot. And it's ah. something that I do with my kid nowadays. It's gotcha. really fun. Um, I growing up in suburban New Jersey. I did have actual forts. We had we had tree fort, and then we and then these kids that were older than us, they actually dug a pit fort. They dug a, a fort Whoa. that was like yeah, like six feet deep. That's by, legit. By that's a, that's a trench. 
Well, no, 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 no. It was, it was, it was, it was wide, and they had they had board over it, and then they put dirt over the board and like little trees and stuff like that, so you couldn't see where where guns and things in the bottom. Also, there was some stuff going on. There was some stuff going on. I was, I was a little too too young and naive to know about it, but we would go and we would hang out in in that as well. and our tree fort, our tree fort lasted a really long time, and there was a train tracks uh, not far behind my uh, behind my house, and you, we would get to see the train coming like a long way away, and we would run out and you know throw put pennies on the uh, on the track, and the and the train would flatten them for us and stuff like that. So that was wow. So let me ask you this: Did you grow up on the right side of the tracks or the wrong side of the tracks? You know, I, I actually did grow up on the right side of the tracks, and there was there there was a difference. There was it, it was how uh, I think one of the reasons that I'm somewhat liberal in this world is because of this realization I had. I had um, most of my friends were on the other side of the tracks, but I was on this side. My side of the tracks, the houses had bigger yards, right, and the houses were a little a little bit bigger. Houses on the other side of the tracks, they were a little smushed together more, right? They were just a little closer together more, and you know. That on my side of the tracks, a lot of the dads would commute into New York City uh, for their jobs. On the other side of the tracks, a lot of my friends, the, the, their dads had jobs in the factories in, in town and so on and so forth. Sure. But so they, they wanted to come over to my side of the tracks because some, uh, we didn't have a pool, but there were some kids that had pools and stuff like that. And that was always on, on my side of the tracks. So we would come in and hang out and do that sort of stuff. But every Halloween, we knew that you want to get the good candy, you go to the other side of the tracks. The, the houses that are... <laughs> I love it. Because I, I learned. I learned that the wealthier people did not give good candy. They did, some of them didn't give candy at all. They kept that. That's why they, that's why they live on that side of the tracks. They kept God, their, isn't that they, just a microcosm for the whole world right there? They kept their stuff. <laughs> and the other side of the tracks, they didn't have much, but they gave freely and I, that has always stuck with me and it, it's one of those lessons that it's not it's not somebody telling me something it's not some study it's not some analysis sure. it is me on the ground knowing and nobody does research like an eight-year-old trying to figure out their optimal candy route on halloween yeah Truth. And, and it's peer reviewed Truth. too so like you know it, it has to be correct it is it, it, absolutely it, it was, mob rules on that one it was a it, it was a very large study conducted over a number of years that's right <laughs> There you go. You know. Anyway, Fort is uh, Fort is going to be coming out uh, not too long from now, and it looks great. I would highly recommend that everybody check it out and and see what's going on. I don't really have a date on it, but uh, we'll try and get that next week. Next up, weirdest theming of the year. I'm calling it here. <laughs> Daimo, Daimyo, Rebirth wait, wait. of the Empire. Uh, Paul, do you, do you, can you explain what this game is about? <laughs> I think like, you know, it's alternate reality, uh, Bushido, not Japan, maybe. I think it's post-apocalyptic Bushidos fighting over like a huge swath of, of, of land. It's like long after the t- end of the time of man, remnants yeah, of yeah. humanity have come back together and they're in an archipelago and... They are living according to the Bushido code and stuff like that. Look, uh, I'm not just talking about this to make fun of it. I'm actually talking about it. And yet. And yeah, well, I'm I'm not not going to make fun of it. Look, there's a lot of things we can talk about. We can talk about theme. We can talk about gameplay. We can talk about all sorts of things. I'm going to start with theme because it's bizarre. 
It is absolutely bizarre. I don't get it. Uh, you know, the publisher is Boite de Jeu. Its designer is uh, Jeremy Secret. So it could be a French thing. Who knows? No, maybe, maybe it makes perfect well. sense in, in a different language. Uh, but it's a, a little weird here. That said... This game looks really interesting. This is a, uh, a dice drafting, dice placement, dice management game, which already piques my interest because some of those designs recently have been very good. Uh, there's a card play element. There are, there's there's an uh, area control element. It seems to be one of these games that, ha- that involves a lot of different disparate elements and the early reviews from some very good people the early reviews have been good the early reviews are saying this should not work but it kind of really does so uh miniatures look super cool they're neat aren't they they're super cool again just my perspective i'm always just looking at that kind of thing it looks super cool so do they come with miniatures or they come with meeples uh because it has pictures of both i guess both i don't know um uh, I i don't know about that yeah, I can't. I, I mean, can't I'm tell you. I little, can't tell you the answer to that. But cubes, and I see the meeples. But um, they also have these pictures here. I don't know why they'd show them if you can't have them. Listen, we are in the era where there are uh, our Kickstarter upgrades and so on and so forth. Maybe that is what this is. Sure, uh, maybe could be. Why not? Um, not exactly sure. Um, this is going to be on Kickstarter. It's on Kickstarter today, actually. Yeah, it's it's on now. It's going to be on Kickstarter until the thirtieth, and uh, should be coming out in twenty twenty one. So we got a little bit of a, a little bit of time here, but it's uh, it's out there. Check it out on Kickstarter. You might be you might be tickled by the theme. You might be entranced by the the different rules and rule sets that they're combining to make a kind of pretty interesting game from the looks at it. It looks like it's pretty deep. It's a real civilization builder of sorts, which is kind of cool. And uh, last but not least, we have Pandemic Legacy Zero. We announced it last week. This week, we have some more details. Turns out, this version of Pandemic Legacy is going to take place all the way back in 1962. The Cold War is, uh, is in full swing, and there's a Soviet bioweapon project medusa our job is we are cia agents slash virologists and we are going to try and snuff out this project before it brings doom so in almost every other version of pandemic almost every i think the the roman pandemic is is different but in almost every other pandemic uh the cubes are viruses and when they get too big, they, they break out and spread, right? In this game, the cubes seem to be uh, Soviet agents. And so you're trying to actually manage a Cold War spy thriller in the, in the realm of a pandemic game, which I think is that sounds pretty interesting to me. What do you guys think? I think it hits a little bit too close to home for me, personally. <laughs> oh, because, I don't know. because your parents were Soviet sleeper agents? That's exactly it. Okay, Not because good. we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's like, hey, you know what I don't want to escape into a world of? The same world I'm escaping. But okay. Maybe they made the right choice then because it's really not about a pandemic this time, right? It's really right. it's really sort of more cloak and daggery type stuff. What do you, what do you think, Here. Paul? You 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 like the original pandemic, right? Nope. it's cooperative right like you know i'm always gonna have a hard time with cooperative games because of who i am as a person my my uh my virtues and vices make it really hard to to play enjoy uh 
that type of game. Well, I mean, but, in general, in Pandemic, it's all the people at the table playing against the game itself, right? Yep. But sure. when, when we play that with you, it's almost all the people around the table playing, <laughs> playing against Paul and the game itself. Yeah, no, no, like, like right. It, I think Pandemic had, you know, had the uh, bioterrorist option, right? Like on occasion, if you built, yes. played with enough people, yes, and you know, and and that would definitely be a shift from cooperative to uh, what you call it, uh, asymmetrical, hidden, you know, blah yes. blah blah, and that's so much more interesting to me. But what I find when I play Pandemic, it, and this is because, like, you know, on the Myers Briggs, I'm a ENTJ. Uh, like, what will happen is like I'll just want to like you know tell everyone what to do. And like when people do it, you know they don't have fun. And yeah. when I I shut up, I don't have fun. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a hard balance for for my personality type to to deal with that. Like because usually there's a right way, and uh, whereas other games, like you know, hey, you do what you want. You you uh, uh, you go that way. You get you know you fall into a pit. That's on you. But like we all fall into the same pit if we go the wrong way. And it's just, it's just the tension that's not very good for me. It's the classic alpha, alpha player problem. And uh, yeah. you, are, you are particularly prone to it. I've, I've noticed that as well. That's, yeah. Hey, yeah, listen. That's, yeah. the, only, the only winning move is not to play. Well, you know, mm. I, I, it's something that weighs very, very heavily on my conscience. <laughs> 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 Uh, speaking of con- speaking of conscience, we do have, we do have one last little piece of news, which is Elizabeth Hardgrave, the amazing designer of uh, of Wingspan, uh, was on fire on Twitter this week. She she posted a thread. I highly recommend that you go and check it out. I will just read the very top of it, and it says, "Every time one of us says in some way, it's hard to be a woman, person of color, LGBT person in board games." There are people who always say some version of that can't be true. I've never seen a gamer, publisher, blank, 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 other be sexist, racist, or homophobic. Let's break this down. And then she gets into all the reasons that comment is hurtful and ignorant and wrong. Um, we talked about um, everything board games, and that was virtually exactly the statement that the the owner of that uh, that, that site, that blog, uh, um, posted. And, uh, I highly recommend that, uh, if we're looking for a more inclusive hobby, that we should check out what Elizabeth Hargrave had to say about it. She is wonderfully eloquent about it. Very, very specific. And, uh, it really challenges us to be, uh, to be better as a hobby. And, uh, I completely agree. I was glad you sent me this link in preparation for the app because I was, I, I read the entire thing and, uh, just yes, exactly what you said. She's extremely eloquent, and it's worth it's worth looking at if if you have any kind of interest in this hobby at all, because she makes some really good points. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it, 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 I found it a little depressing, uh, just because like you had. Oh to yeah, write. no question, no question. <laughs> it, it is it's like ah, uh, yeah. There's just that way, side, right? Also, she's. I mean, yeah. What are you gonna do? Anyway. But you know, it, it is it is the world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Yeah, I guess I'm heartened by things like this uh, um, because the depressing thing is being put. You know, is is being shown what's going on, right? That's yeah. the depressing thing. The reality is, is that this is there. 
this is there. It's there right now. It has always been there. And by putting some light on it is the only way we're going to change things. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that we're going to change things. Good. In so many ways. In so many ways. Shall we get to games on the brain, gentlemen? I, I don't know about that, but I, do, I am ready for a song. Here we go. <laughs> games. Games on the brain. These are games we like to play. These are games stuck on our brains. Oh, baby. I mean, so, so, if you're gonna so if, if you're gonna do a greatest hits album for Daedalus, is there a way that this is not track number one? I I, I don't know, like, or or maybe it's or maybe it's the opening and closing. I don't know. <laughs> but but he, here's what I was thinking: like, what if we try to troll uh, this song a little bit? So like, every episode we just slow it down by like four <laughs> percent. <laughs> Game. <laughs> we just go slowly enough that, you know, like, people won't exactly notice until they go oh my god what is this <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome oh my god that's so great Paul what's on your brain uh, Imperial Struggle yeah. uh, I, I've been playing a bit of that uh, with Maddie in particular and it's really brought up uh, some very interesting feelings in me. Like, you know, I think Trey mentioned a while back that he's not a big fan of two-player games now in, ge- in general, just mm-hmm. because uh, it's a, uh, you know, like, like the way I would describe it is like, you're either winning or you're losing and, or you're, you're struggling. But like, aside from that struggling in the middle where you guys are kind of wrestling it becomes unfun for me on either side. Mm. You know, like I, I don't feel very good when I'm like pounding someone into the ground and, uh, and they go like, Oh, we just quit at the same time. I don't like being pounded into the ground. And it goes, Oh no, we have, we have 10 more rounds to go, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that, that's, it's a, it, it brings certain issues up for me, uh, where I'm like, ah, is this what I want to, you know, to play at the same time it has a brilliant and beautiful decision space mm-hmm. it's rich and it has all this stuff that i really enjoy about considerations of like you know like oh uh like you know you're just picking things that are going to hurt you and i really like that type of decision like you know self-inflicted pain is always so in the game yeah and so i, I, was, I was thinking of like how i wonder if we as a group like those this game could come up with an AI to really break down this game. Like, you know, is it AIable in a very, uh, you know, programmable way? Uh, I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know yet. But, like, uh, I mean, someone's going to make an AI for this game. I'm curious if we could come up with an AI for this game. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I don't think you can really come up with... with as good an AI as you have for Twilight Struggle. And by the way, the, the AI for Twilight Struggle is, once you get to a certain level, is very beautiful. So it's not mm-hmm. great, but it's still quite good. Um, because there are so many more moving parts, I think it's real, it, it, the, the programming challenges for, for an AI for Imperial Struggle become harder. That's my guess. Maybe. Maybe. Like, it's, one of those, it's, just, it's just like waiting, though, right? Like, you know, they... It's a matter of like making a uh, a certain move worth a certain amount of points versus like the long term. It's like it's like you know trying to program like 
deep blue in uh, in chess or like yeah. AlphaGo for you know it, it it's, it's doable. It's just a yeah. I'm wondering if we can do it. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I, yeah, we could definitely program the version where it does the optimal points move for each turn, but I think that loses you the game. I, I think that. The the best Maybe. the best plays the best plays are longer term than that. Sure, like, like right now I'm playing the checkers version of Imperial Struggle. I'm I feel that, that's like what Matt eventually says too, we'll yeah. be able, yeah, we'll be able to get to uh, the chess level. I don't know if we as a group will ever be able to get to the go level. Well, you know? it's it's tough to play something enough and enough times. What I like sure. is is that that though playing it on Vassal. We can mm-hmm. you can play via email, so I take my turn, you take your turn, and we can just sure, do it sure. over the course of days. Then all of a sudden, you're playing a game that that you can actually play a lot. To me, because no, it's, I, yeah, yeah, no, it's not a point. Absolutely. It's not it's not appointment television anymore. It's it, it's you watch as watch as you will. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. But that's what I've been on my brain. Cool, Jake. What's on your brain these days? My brain, believe it or not, has been on a very, very famous and amazing game called Sorry. No. Because I have a six-year-old. Yeah. And my wife thought it would be fun to play that game. She played when she was a kid. Mm. And I was aware of it, of course. I don't think I owned a copy or played as a child. But we brought it into our home. And it has raised quite a few thought problems for me. And what are these problems, uh, yeah, Jacob? No, we've, well, I mean, you know, uh, first of all, can I just say I'm so blessed to have been brought into this hobby by you guys and to have experienced what actual thinking can do for a game. Awesome, and when you Jake, play yeah. a game that has no thinking involved, it, yes. it, you know, I start to wonder about, like, well, what exactly are we exposing our child to here, really? So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we've been playing it, and it's you know I don't know. It, there's there's some things I've been thinking about it about like right and wrong, and and you know when being a sore loser, and just how about the idea of you're not really playing a game. Well, like I've tried to bring that up with him. I don't <laughs> know if it's gotten through exactly. Well, you do because there was one time when. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. no. I, I was just gonna say. So I, I had a I played sorry with my kids uh, as well and gritted my teeth through the whole experience and you know and realized oh my so your only choices in the game are which piece to move and then there's one card where you can either do a or b but the vast majority of the game is already decided when the cards are shuffled the cards are shuffled and whatever the order of the cards is that's predetermined who is going to win virtually there's a couple tiny decision spaces that exist in a fairly long game as far as as far as that goes and so yeah i i I tried to point that out to my kids and i was roundly lambasted for it they were like they yeah oh oh, it didn't go over well (laughs) but i tried to use it as a teaching moment where like there was a time when he turned over like 15 cards in a row and couldn't do anything and started to cry. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, buddy, you realize you're not, this isn't you. Like, you're not doing anything wrong. You're just turning over cards. It's completely random. Okay, but daddy, no decisions being made. See, are you taking I, away I think, the decision I, from me? I think, oh, go ahead. Uh, I think you should tell uh, Logan and go, oh, no. See, this is because you didn't clean your room, Logan. <laughs> The universe, the universe doesn't like you. Uh-huh. That's why. And all I can say is, sorry. 
Hashem is watching. Oh, no, that's not the kind of parenting I'm practicing, but I hear you. Well, I'm just, I'm just I, saying, Hashem uh, is watching, young here. Logan. Hashem watches everything you do. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> it is interesting, though. These games, that there was a whole like slew of them but that are just completely mindless and completely choiceless. And it, it really has had me thinking about the difference between the people that can make these incredible games that give you these incredible choices versus the ones that don't. Well, my, my kids, though, were... You know, when they did their episode, they they did talk about that. They said that the early things that they learned were how to lose, yeah, how, uh, how to yep. how to win nicely, right? That's um, right. How, to, how to congratulate the other person if they win, right? How to deal with a cruel, uncaring world when you draw yeah. fifteen cards in a row and you can't do anything. Let him. Yep. I say let him cry. I don't. You know. Don't say oh, it doesn't. It does, don't say it doesn't matter. I think this is a good. This is. I think it builds resilience. What you're doing is 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 you're modeling the cruelty of the world in a very very safe environment, and I think that that's a powerful and valuable thing, right? I 100% agree with that. And while this game is a very small example of that, that comes up a lot in our life when I will have to say to him something like, look, you can like learn from this here with us who care and love you. The world will not treat you that way. That's why now is the time to get it right. Or, or at the very least, Uncle Paul will not treat you that way. Jake, I have a question. Does, does Logan yes. like Sorry? Does he like it? Logan, Logan does like it. But it is completely dependent on that he is participating. If he gets a streak of non-action, it, not mm-hmm. only does he turn off immediately, but he'll he'll maybe not want to play it again for a while. Like no. he's he's very moment to moment in the game. But does he enjoy knocking somebody out? Absolutely. And does he enjoy getting the card that perfectly counts out to some goal? Yes, he does. Yeah, there you Wait, go. Well, uh, do you remember playing Starry as a kid? Do you remember having? Like, I do these not. I do not. I mean, well, I kind of do. Like, obviously, I'd heard of it, but do I have any memories of actually playing? No. So, like, my my, my thought process is, and this comes from uh, years of watching my wife try to pick ice cream at like a gelato place or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, the question I always say in board games, and like, like you know, especially these types of board games, is like, how many choices do you think people want? Right. And you know, in life, and like you know, and it they they've done studies where. Uh, the more choices does not make you happier. In fact, the tyranny, the tyranny of choice. People, yeah, exactly. People want. Actually, people even want choice. Uh, in, in theory, they want the illusion of choice. You know, they want to feel like their count, their things matter, but they don't want. Well, they the want real... a lot of options that they'd be happy with all of them. Oh, I don't know about that. Like you know, like with the, with the ice cream, all it's ice cream. It's all delicious. But then there's that fear, that fear of like, I'm going to pick the one that is not as good. And so that's that slowly mm. creeps in. Whereas like, you know, like my wife, uh, when it comes to like, say we want to go eat out, I, I've come to realize over the 19 years is that she wants one and a half choices. And the way that plays <laughs> out, uh, that way that plays out is like, I go, do you want to go X or Y? And she goes, uh, I don't, I, I don't care. And I go, okay, let's go to Y. Knowing that, she might go, oh, no, let's go to X instead. Like, you know, she wants, she wants sure. that. Uh, and I feel like when you're a kid or playing a game of this level, like, say, Candyland, for example, you yeah. have the appearance of agency. You have the appearance that you are doing something. 
uh, and that's just drawing the card. And goes somehow me drawing this card has gotten me to move out of the what's called molasses swamp. Is that what it is? Yeah, what, yeah. What, what, mm-hmm. And I think like you know we eventually grow out of that, hopefully. <laughs> uh, that oh, that yeah. we. But at the same time, like you know, there is a lot to be learned in uh, in playing a game that has no real agency. Like you know, socialization, for example. Like, you know, like Shoots and Ladders, Sorry, Candyland, it teaches you how to lose. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, now, so, so yeah. I'm going to, uh, I, you know, obviously your wife, your, your wife is my sister-in-law, and uh-huh. I just have to throw a little caveat into there and to say that in comparison to every human being I've met on this planet, mm-hmm. no one has more of a difficulty with choice <laughs> than your wife. My sister-in-law, she is a she is a special and unique snowflake in this in this particular regard. Uh, this is this is also very true. Uh, you know, um, uh, but yeah, but like, I I just feel like you know like there's this. I, I think as as we as people who play like euros and in this hobby, like we tend to look down on games like Monopoly and things that are like really entry level. But like, there's a reason why they're entry level. You know they're 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 there because they do they have a function. It might not be the function that we've outgrown. We've outgrown these functions, but I think it's actually quite good to have those types of game there. Just my thought. Let my two cents as a non dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you come over no, and play. It, sorry, it's interesting. You, you go I, play. I, sorry, I agree with Logan. With a lot of what you said, and uh, I will say that my one thing about this game that I actually I won't say enjoy. But uh, the one kudos I can give to it is that there is some kind of mathematical mechanics I can't quite fathom where, regardless of what cards you turn, it almost always balances out exactly. Like, there's no wild wins where, like, three pieces are still on the board and you get all your guys home. It almost always balances out perfectly. There's something to that. It's number theory, man. You know, (laughs) Bradley went to all these mathematicians and came up with the most reductive number theory game ever. Which is sorry. Absolutely. Uh, it's very I don't know that's true. Please don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> and on my brain, um, yep. I've been accused of turning everything in life into a game. So um, I want to travel. I turn it into a game. And now I have I've done travel hacking for a number of years and I have close to 2 million frequent flyer miles, all, all total, uh, hotels and so on and so forth and things like that. And Paul, yeah, you, uh, Paul has, has seen that in action and and and, sure. and, the and benefited. Of that. Yes, yes, it's 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 fun for me to gamify the, these things and to figure out. No, it really is a game, and the game has real world benefits. It's you know kind of like mini lotteries and things like that. Uh, right now, the game on my brain is pu- the publisher first novel game. So I'm getting close to ready to do that and I've been doing my research and studying up and figuring out all the different games that there are to play in that and there's a ton of them right it's like okay what is going to make a first novel successful how do you how do you get an audience for that novel how do you do the you know and there's all sorts of things like like Amazon is going to promote your book based on certain factors right and most books, they don't promote at all, but there are lots of things you can do to get them promoted. And so I've been sort of studying that up, and I'm starting to put together 
I guess I guess you could call it a rule book. I'm putting together my own rule book for what a, first a strategy time, guide. A strategy guide for the first time for the first time <laughs> novelist, right? And it's going to be like, okay, there may be there may come a point where I'm going to talk about it on this podcast, where I may you know take a little a, a little moment to say, hey, there's a lot of people out there. I could use your help. And when I do, it's going to be in game terms. It's going to be very much that I need to do, you know, I need I need worker placement in this area here, <laughs> or I need uh, this over control. here. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of area control. Anyway, um, I have a I have a meta question for you. Okay, and this because sure. this sparks a thought for me that I feel like you'd be uniquely um, capable of answering. Sure. Which is when you when you look at the world in different arenas, whether it's travel, whether it's publishing. Would you say that there is a meta category of how to approach it as a game? Um, well, kind of. I mean, I, first of all, I feel that approaching it as a game in and of itself, having that mindset is a very positive thing. Because when you approach anything as a game, it implies certain things, right? It implies that they're, that you're approaching it with a certain uh, levity, you're approaching it with a mm-hmm. you're approaching it with a seriousness, though, right? You're it's something you're going to study and you're going to analyze. You have to define your win condition. And more to the point, you're approaching it from the point of view that you can win it, right? right. How many how many things that is how, very positive. You're how right. many That's things very, in our lives? Positive. Yeah. How many times in our lives do we go into an experience already kind of sabotaging? Our, ourself with our own psychology, with our own situation that we're putting ourselves in. So when I approach something as a, as a game, I'm looking for the win. And hey, let's face it, not everything is, is winnable in life. There are a lot of things yeah. that aren't. But I think it ups your chances if you can, if you can approach it that way. That's, 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 I feel like that's you could cool. teach a master class in that subject or perhaps write a book exactly in the like how to live life as winning a game. Dude, that's a really good idea. <laughs> I'm going to think about that. I, I do not know if I'm at all qualified to do that, but I think that's a really interesting sort of self-help uh, topic maybe. That's pretty cool. And, and, and I'll think on it. I, I'll write the anti-book, which will be basically uh, your life as the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> <laughs> I, Paul, I believe that's the subtitle. The actual title is You've Already Lost. Yes. You've already lost by Paul Satachit. That's right. <laughs> How everything in your life is is one large Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> Absolutely. There we go. Uh, update on the 8x8 challenge. Ben has come through and has played a game of Concordia. So we have that. We can knock that off on the list. Um, and then brings us to our topic. or Not our topic, I should say. Our Game Brain Top 50 games. We're getting down there, people. We're doing games 15 to 11 on our list and spoiler alert my top two games are in this section of the list so my top two choices of all-time games are not in the game brain top 10 but that's okay i'm I'm okay with being an outlier let's get right to it number 15 the martin wallace classic brass or as my canonic says brass Bross is number 15. We have Paul, we have Trey, we have Ben, we have me. All of us have uh, voted for that uh, for that game in one place or another. I think, uh, Paul, you and Ben have the, the highest ranking for it. But oh, what, what? Really? Well, yeah. Surprise. <laughs> well, I, I think you put it uh, as your number 10 game or something along those lines. So. Uh, no, it, it's, good. it's a good game. It's very, very good. Yeah. 
Number 14. (laughs) Number 14 is a game we recently reviewed. Madeira. Madeira is is in at number 14. Elder has it way up in his list. Trey and Matt and Jennifer all have it reviewed, which is kind of cool. Really? You didn't have it on your on your uh, on your uh, on your list. I said in the review that if I had played it. Uh, previous to the, my my composing of the list, that absolutely would have been on. It would have been higher up. It would have been higher up because it would have made made it into uh-huh. my top twenty. Uh, having yes. have, having played it several times in the last month, there's no question it would have been on my list. It's it's an incredible, incredible game. Yeah, you and I are just such different people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe. Uh, yeah, no, no, it, it's good, but you know, it, it's anyway. It's it crazy good. Number thirteen, though is not just crazy good. Number 13 is a travesty. It is a travesty, ladies and gentlemen. How can Demacher, the number one game of all time, the greatest game, the game from which all other games sprang, how can it possibly only be number 13 on our list? I had it. It was my number one game. Jesse had it pretty darn high up. And then only Dimitri and Jake. Jake, thank you for voting for Demacher. Thank you for voting for Demacher. It actually... The, the, I enjoyed it. In terms of points, it actually had a big spread uh, between that and number 14. There's a real jump here to get, up to, to, to get up to number 13. So I think it would have been there anyway. But, oh, crazy good game, Demacher. I can't... Well, to, to be fair, it has one of my favorite Tom losing his mind moments that I've ever seen. It was the first. <laughs> it was the first Tom losing his mind moment. And it will always be etched. I, I didn't pick it. Oh, maybe not only because, but like the the bonus was because I knew it pissed you off that it wasn't high. <laughs> <laughs> Meta gaming our own list. game list. That's Paul for us, man. That is Paul, no question about it. Yeah, listen, I will lose I will lose my my junk in Demacher probably more than any other game because I love it so much and because it immerses sure, no. me. It grabs me and it takes me to a place where where I lose control. It very no, much is true. It, uh, number 12 on our list is Concordia, the amazing, amazing Concordia. Uh, Trey, Matt, Ben, and myself all have Concordia in our top 20s, uh, which is, you know, to be expected. I mean, the only shocker is that it's not in the top 10 for us, but uh, Concordia definitely belongs way, way up, and it is our number 12 game. And last but not least for this week, our number 11 game, my number two game of all time. Twilight Struggle. Matt has it on his list. Tom has it on his list. Alfred has it on his list. Jesse has it as his number one on his list. Twilight Struggle just outside of the top 10 at number 11. Folks, we got only two weeks uh, left on this. I'm, I'm excited to hear yeah, to, yeah. To, to let yeah. you guys know what our top ten is. You can probably go back through the episodes, figure out what we've picked, and you can probably pick what the, what our top ten list is based on that. You may not sure, know the order, sure. but you can probably figure out what the, what they are. No, no, I, th- I think uh, we're getting there. We're getting it's pretty good. Pretty good. It'd be an interesting list. Yeah, indeed, indeed. All right, it is time. It is time for the game review. We are talking about In the Year of the Dragon. In the Year of the Dragon is a 2007 release. The designer, the amazing Stefan Feld. The artists are Harold Liskey and Michael Menzel. And the publisher is uh, Aaliyah or Ravensburger, depending on who who you're getting your games from. Paul... Why don't you take us down a little a little stroll and and describe to us what in the year of the dragon is and how it plays? 
Sure, sure. Like, uh, so kind of a top-level view. Uh, you are a Chinese ruler who's trying to have the most prosperous year compared to the other rulers in your region. The, you know, in for and ah, reset. Hey, you're a Chinese ruler, <laughs> and you're trying to have the most prosperous year in comparison to all these other year uh, rulers, and it's the year of the dragon. So the game is broken up into 12 turns or 12 months. Uh, each month, an event will happen that you'll have to deal with. Uh, some might give you prestige. Others will dismiss uh, people from your kingdom. How you prepare and deal with these events will determine uh, if you're the best ruler. Uh, so basically, a turn goes something like this. You will pick and execute an action tile. You will then pick a craft person to add to your kingdom. And then you'll deal with the event. Uh, some of them will give you points, but most will uh, remove craft people from your uh, kingdom if you don't meet certain requirements. Then you move on to the next month. So you do that 12 times, and voila, the game uh, is over. Uh, some like, like neat little features of the game is basically uh, you'll, you get to see all 12 events uh, throughout the year. So there's some form of planning that can be done. However... Uh, each each month, uh, the action tiles, which are, there are seven of them, get shuffled and then grouped together uh, so that each action grouping changes each month. Uh, and what happens is, like, someone will, uh, when it's your turn, you will pick an action and you will do that thing. Sometimes they'll be like, build more pagodas or get rice or whatever. The rub is that... Once someone has taken that action, it will cost you three money in order to take uh, for someone else to take that action. So turn order is very important. Uh, and there's a track. And the way you move up turn order track is that uh, the craft people that you pick, uh, they they'll have an ability that will be magnified by the the uh, action uh, tile you pick, but they all have this uh, turn order coefficient. And the weaker craft people will have the higher uh, turn order coefficient. So basically, the game is jockeying between, uh, you know, getting what you need, uh, planning for turn order, uh, deciding when to expand, and more importantly, when to sacrifice the things that you don't need. Uh, the problem is, the other problem is, like, everyone else is doing this. So it's kind of like trying to do yoga in a crowded phone booth. That's about it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so one of the interesting things about the game is those events. Those events uh, are, are, are probably the most unique aspect to the game. It's, it's, it's actually, it plays quite differently than most other Steffenfeld games. It's, it's probably the most different of his designs, or at least close to that. Um, but those events that are coming are one of the things that really, really defines the game. And it creates, it, it's not just um, that there is such a thing, but it's actually what it does for the game. And what, the, what, it does, what it does, for me anyway, is it gives the game this really strong feeling of disaster management. Exactly. It's like, like the game isn't about building the best society. It isn't about building up. Like, like in Agricola, for, for instance, every time you flip over a new card, it's giving you a new ability, a new thing that you can do better, right? And, and it's improving you in some way. Whereas after the first two rounds, everything in, in the Year of the Dragon is a threat to, to, your, to your happy home. <laughs> 
Except fireworks. Fireworks, you know, is the repeat from that. I guess that's true, yes. Fire, fire, but, but, once, but you could even look at, at that in a, in a certain way and say somebody is sure. gaining points and it's probably not me or maybe not me. Yep. No. Jake, it's, what? It's really good. Go, go, go on. Let Jake, let's, yeah, Jake, what's your thoughts? Well, you know, for me, I saw a lot of things that I recognized. Um, disclaimer is we played this online, not in person, obviously, and my brain was kind of fried to go in. But the teach was great and the experience was great. And it seemed to me like it was almost like a tiny little engine builder that only lasted like one round. And then you had to completely like it never really it, it, it never built. Like you have to do an engine builder, but it only loads for like a turn, and then you have to redo your engine building for the next problem. Huh. And, that, and that was that was difficult for me to maintain. Like I only think I had one turn. Where looking back, I was like, yes, that was the right move for that turn, and all the rest, I, it was too it was too complex in the moment for me to I won't say win, but like even really make a smart move. But I could see that that's sort of what was happening, or what it felt like was what was happening. It's definitely a very tactical game, and you're trying to hold together your house with bubblegum. Yeah, I mean, it was it's it's constantly a decision of what will help me now and also for the next turn, but not for three turns away. Um, yeah, I think the more you play it, the more you're trying to to go turns ahead. But I, I listen. I would have said that the key to the game is not trying to do everything. The key to the game is letting some of your people die and realizing when I can allow this calamity to hit me full force and instead just go for things that get me points at this point because my engine yeah. my engine will be hurt, but my engine will survive. I would have yeah. said that, except that then we play with Ben this week and he crushes us, and he... He did, he did crush us. <laughs> uh, I will say that, you know, he wears that, uh, like, a little jewel in his crown, and he got like, that, shut up, Tom, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was a fun gaming experience, it was. So that said, I think, I think at the end, the stats showed that I lost the least number of guys, or something like that, or something weird like that, which I, I, I don't know how that was possible. But yeah, no, it, it the way I found like, you know, we played this game early in my uh, my development. And, you know, I, I feel that this is a really great bridge game. You know, it bridges like if you were if I was to move someone to more heavy euros, like from, say, Catan, this would be one of those games that I would put in because it, you know, it really introduces concepts like attrition or order manipulation or long-term planning in, in a way you know, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see in other Euros. Uh, and I really li- like what the thing that this does that is kind of amazing to me is that it's short. It's not a game. So it has like high Euro to playtime density. You know? Yeah, like it's yeah. Almo- it's almost a, what's it called? It's almost a filler. Uh, and it's, it's not. We didn't play it that way. But like when you know what you're doing, it, it goes by really quick. Well, there, yeah. to be fair, there was you, a moment. But you, I was just gonna say there was a moment at one point when Tom was like, "Come on, guys, beer and peanuts. Let's go, let's go." <laughs> but but Tom's beer all, and peanuts is what I said. Beer, is that what I said? Beer and pe- yeah. no, pretzels. Pretzels. I mean pretzels. That's what I mean. <laughs> well, Tom Tom has become like you know this uh, early sleeping in person. So like it, I mean it was like 
eight fifteen, so he was, it was past his bedtime. I am out at six a.m. each morning so that I can I can write or rewrite three hours of my novel before my writing partner gets in and we have to start working on the screenplay. So that that's the reason I'm, I'm I've changed up my schedule. I figured if we're in quarantine, I might as well do that. That's what I do. Yeah, I am. I'm a, I'm an early to bed, early to rise dork. I'm not shaming you. Yeah, no, you are. I think you are. I think we all know this. I am not shaming you. <laughs> Partially. <laughs> <laughs> Look, nothing is happening past seven o'clock in the night anyway, right? You're not missing anything. Um, I believe my grandmother would have said nothing good happens after seven. At oh, uh, well, there you go. I think that's how she would put it. But yes. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the, it, it, it is a game that does so many things. It, it introduces the concepts of... Uh, of action economy right and mm -hmm. if yeah. i take if i take this character early on taking the action that corresponds to that character i'm going to get twice the benefit that other players are going to get for that action and and can i utilize that can i gain an advantage on that there are the dragon scrolls that if i take those early in the game it costs me almost all my money it's, it's a huge huge upfront cost but the benefit of that goes on entirely for the entire rest of the game. I'm getting points each and every round for the rest of the game, and I do not have to take any actions to get those points. Whereas there are other there are other scoring things where you you can get points every round and probably get more points than the Dragon Scrolls, but you have to take the action to do so, right? Yeah, no, it's it's. I think it's a great training game. It's a really good game to basically introduce people to concepts that they might not have known if they, you know, started with Sorry or something like that. I think I think it's. it's yes, a really I had a lot of fun playing it, but I could tell right away that I would have had to play it a bunch more times before I really did, you know, put up any kind of competition. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's a good point. Because we should we should say that what Paul's saying I think is absolutely right, which is that this is actually a really good first or early euro to play because it teaches a lot it doesn't take too long but it also isn't one of these games that you don't have to study and you don't gradually get better at it's a game you can play for quite some time yeah no yeah. Uh, i mean it says age 12 plus so clearly it's meant for you know a, a younger audience to get into the, the hobby we we rolled the dice jake we figured you could handle 12 plus so that's my sweet spot honestly <laughs> No, it, it, what's funny is like there are people in our group who do not like this game. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it's it's really it, it's very polarizing in that way. Like you know, I was glad that like Ben played it for the first time with us uh, last Thursday or oh, Tuesday, and he loved it. And I'm so glad. But like there are people who played it uh, in our group who go like, oh yeah. I remember we don't play this game anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I you know. I think that for for in most plays the, the optimal play is sometimes to draft a character and to watch him to watch him die off like even optimal play is to be sacrificing characters and guys and and it, the play experience isn't isn't largely positive. It could be a lot negative, sure. and I don't mean negative in terms of in terms of complete experience. But I do mean that it is a game that is about managing disaster, and that yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and and that that you know that hangs a a dark cloud over the game for some people. Um, whereas when I play it, 
I'm kind of fascinated by that. You know, I'm fascinated sure. by a game that plays very, very differently than, and frankly, differently than than um, his own games. His own games, Stefan Feld games. He's was an early adopter of the Scooby Snack School of Design, where sure. I take this action and hey, I get this little extra benefit. And oh, look, mm-hmm. I t- took this action and that completes this section. And when I complete this section, I get this little bonus. And then with this little bonus, I place it here. And guess what? I get this other little bonus. And and so it's it's actually very antithetical to a lot of his design canon. Yeah, no. Like My favorite it, part of the game was when I chose very randomly a card that totally screwed Paul over without ill intention. But I, I really, uh, really enjoyed that. I guess yeah, no, it doesn't count. Honest. I love that. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. Like you know, you have if you're going to stab me in the heart, you got to do it from the front. <laughs> You gotta mean no, it. No, but I think you gotta it really mean it. Perfectly characterizes where I'm coming from, which is if I happen to stab you in the heart, it certainly wasn't intentional. <laughs> Man, uh, I don't. I don't know what else we have to say about uh, about this, other than it is a very uh, Paul. Paul, your description was fantastic. It, it really oh, laid out I what agree. the game is. Um, uh, it's a it's a really good game. It should play in about ninety minutes, and mm-hmm. it is a it is a full meal in ninety minutes. That yeah, is for no. sure. Yeah, it was fun. It was super fun. It's on it's on BGA like Board Game Arena. Uh, I think people should play more of it. I think like you know it's especially if you have a group that really is like I will say if you are a strategy based person who really wants you know that kind of precision and see, and build your engine and have it grow and this is not for you or <laughs> it is <laughs> or it's for you so that you can like you know grow some width. So some breadth of your experience because you know it's really tactical. I personally like very tactical games. I like the idea of like dealing with chaos management. You know, yes. juggling plates. I mean that 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 decision space is very interesting to me. Uh, but some people want a peaceful experience. You will not feel at peace playing this game. You yeah. know. I mean, there's games where you're building an engine and the engine gets better and better and better. This is more like that engine that is falling apart as you're racing along. Exactly. And you're trying to you're trying to to put rubber bands around this and to pour water into the radiator as it's leaking out of the bottom, just to have enough to get across that finish line. Right. That's really yeah, the experience of this, which is which makes it quite unique. It, it's a, it's a, a very different than most games. I, I do recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And not to be confused with Year of the Dragon, which, of course, is that amazing movie starring Mickey Rourke and John Mann. Oh, so good. So good. <laughs> so that's In the Year of the Dragon, 2007 release, Stefan Feld. Uh, we recommend that you check it out. Board Game Arena is a great place to play it. Let's talk about the member-specific segment. Paul, how do we, uh, how do we go about cultivating our, our group's gamer culture? Well, this is very interesting because, like, I thought this was, you know, I started, think, like, I came up with this topic because uh, we wanted this theme, this uh, this turn, right, this turn mm-hmm. to be about uh, online gameplay or, like, you know, like, right? The, am I mistaken or am I just, like, this is narrative that I'm I mean, what, we, we did say at the beginning that, <clears throat> that you can talk about anything you want to. 
because we're, you know, we're, we're, but I did preface that by saying, talk about anything you want to, because right now we're all in, in kind of separate places and, and mm -hmm. coming together for games means something different. And so you took that very literally, which is great. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and so what I came to realize, you know, playing these last months is that uh, I'm playing a lot more online. In fact, I'm playing exclusively online. And I find myself gravitating to certain people when I play. And it isn't a matter of skill. It isn't a matter of, uh, of even, like, my closeness to those people. Like, what I found is that the people who I gravitate to tend to banter while online. Like, you know, when they're playing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, like, there's, like, you know, there are, there are people who are very quiet and they're thinking about their moves. And then they move, and then next player. And there are people like me who just can't shut up as I'm talking, as I'm narrating <laughs> my move, or I'm just like, you know, or I'm just self effacing myself, going, like, Oh, you suck. Why are you doing, you know, like that? And what I found is that because I don't have the visual uh, cues, uh, I've, 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 actually, on uh, that banter to create uh, the experience that I want. And, you know, what is interesting is, like, that was pretty much unconscious until I really thought about it, you know? Like, so, like, it, it got me thinking about how we wind up doing things uh, in our groups to create this, you know, this culture that we do. And largely, or maybe not largely, but, like, in my case, like, a lot of things uh, I put out there are not necessarily just things, conscience things. <laughs> uh, so, so I thought, like you know, a discussion about like what things we put out, you know, like uh, we put out that would be interesting. Of course, like you know, with the way the world is right now, this is a huge you know topic that we could discuss. So I thought, for at least we could talk about maybe things that we do uh, that create inclusivity. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, totally. Yeah, like you know, like like for me, like. Uh, uh, one of the things that I, I tend to do, uh, especially for a new person in, in any game group that uh, I'm playing with, is, and this is, you know, for good or for bad, I don't, you know, is I wind up taking the role of the villain. You know, I, I'm, there's a certain villainy about me, and I, I kind of, like, play at a person, uh, yep. and... And the re or, or the game, whatever. There are, number, there are a number of people that won't come back because of that. Yes, it's true. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know if you're joking or if you are, if you are not. <laughs> but, like, you know, I, I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to do it in a tone that, you know, basically creates uh, the sense of stake and fun. Like, you know, I'll, yes. always, I'll always, like, you know, if I'm playing with someone who's new... Uh, at a game that I'm uh, pretty comfortable with, I will, I will play to explore the space as I use, you know, th that verbiage, or like, you know, try something new, something to handicap me, mm -hmm. so that we are jousting at the same level. But like, you know, but like to go back to uh, Logan and Sorry, like, you know, most people will engage in the game if they feel like their actions are relevant. And right. like, and if they're they're relevant when they feel like they have a chance of victory, if you know if if I out if I continually outplay them because of my experience, 
the odds of them wanting to play more of that game, you know, is is minimized. I think. Does that make sense? Am, am I? Am I so it's like you're, you're essentially taking the role of a parent in that way, where <laughs> well, if you crush the child, then they're not going to want to continue to play because they'll just feel like crap. Yeah, I, I don't want to. That sounds a little condescending because I don't really like. I, I I I'm quoted saying all the time that I I don't play to win. I play to take victory away from as many people as I can. And, and so like, you know, and so, but I, I don't want to win against someone who really didn't have a chance. And that's why I actually kind of thought you would be a great person to uh, be on here, Jake, because like you're probably dealing with this right now with Logan, right? Absolutely. It's so, something I take into consideration every time we play any game. So what do you uh, do to make him feel more at home when you're playing a new game with him? I like to, first, I always like to say that, you know, playing for the fun of playing. Uh, I really want to stress that this activity is, is not meant to make only one of us happy. Like, it's not about a loser and a winner where the winner is happy and the loser is sad. And I will admit that I often make moves that are definitely in his favor and against my own. Because, I mean, let's face it, he's a child and I'm a grown-up. And if I just went at him hard because I can outthink him, then, then what am I teaching him? Like, just, like, how to lose? I, do, I don't always do that. Obviously, sometimes I want him to experience loss. But I'm also almost more about building up his confidence and, you know, fair play. And I, I will make suboptimal moves in his favor to, to booster that for sure. Totally. Totally. What about you, what about you Tom? Because um, you like to win. I do, yeah, but... Uh, so... Yeah, but wait a second, but wait a second. I like well, to win, by the way. Sure, I'm not I like a crazy person who doesn't like to win. But also, to your own point, if you're more experienced at something than another person and you know... Like and this is not about being like a a, a deer mm-hmm. or anything. But if you know you could crush them at will, then then there's sure. no fun in beating that person. Sure, sure, right. Um, yeah. So for me, it's a little bit different because I I tend to be the host of mm-hmm. of the game night. So absolutely. So uh, my my job to be welcoming and inclusive is to be that that you know to invite you in and say, hey, I'm so glad that you, you came and show them the, the, the room full of games and ooh, ah. And if it's people like Candace Harris, you know, she'll pick out a bunch that, she's, that she loves and, and will make a mental note of that and try to play those. Um, if it's somebody who doesn't have that much experience in the field, we'll try and figure out, you know, uh, finding the right game match for that new player in your environment. I think is a really a, a real key, right? I mean, the, we, the, there's no uh, mistake how we ended up having a board game sommelier uh, uh, segment on our podcast. It's there because that's what Maddie and I both, uh, you know, take a lot of take a lot of pride in, and take a lot of time sure. considering when we when we come up with. Uh, the, the game that we're going to play, you know, and then you know, a lot of the game nights here at the at the office, you know, we'll we'll have eight, ten people at a at a game night. So, what are the two games we're going to play, and how are we going to split them up? And you know, I try to have that that the the new person at a friendly table. So, Paul, you tend to be at the other table. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
No, in reality, Paul is a, Paul is a real joy to have at the, I, at, at the game I'm game. a lovely person, everyone, just so you know. <laughs> I, 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 Paul is a lovely person. <laughs> You know, and then, uh, you know, and then when we play the game, you know, the important thing is I almost always have to teach it. So, so get the teach on, teach, teach well, you know, and especially with a new player, pick up on those signals. Like, like, okay, this person has gotten about as much as they can get now. Maybe we should just start playing and have them figure out the rest as we're, as we're playing the game. Um, as far as letting people win, I don't really do that but what i definitely do do is i try to be talking to them as they're playing about what thoughts what considerations they might want to have here or they or they might want to have there and i don't um when i'm playing with a new person i i don't play the dominant i don't play dominant strategy i will always i will always play okay i'm gonna explore this I've, i i i've i've always wondered if you could win playing this way or playing that way right. and seeing what and seeing what so, happens that's and would you say that as the host one of your win conditions is that the evening went well oh completely completely right? i want so that like person that's, to, to that's I'll, a lot how i approach any game i play with logan is like if the experience was enjoyable by him then i've done my job like then i win yes yeah that no that that's that's the the primary thing is I want the person who who came to to game night to, to to feel like, wow, that was actually surprisingly fun and and I felt welcome, right? That's yeah, that's, that's and wants to come back. Yes, yes. Yeah. And the other thing about like you know creating culture is like uh, for your specific game group is like you know there's not like a, a tone that is created, you know, just by the interplay of everyone, and I think that is something that really is. Uh, I think really interesting. Uh, I remember having a conversation with Jesse when he was first new to our group. And he was very, uh, he was talking about how, well, we were talking about how he was very win-oriented when he first entered our group. And he explained to me, like this was like six or seven months later, that he was that way because he was afraid that if, uh, if he didn't seem competitive, he wouldn't be invited back. Mm. Mm. Which, is, which is very interesting because like, I, I, I don't have a lot of game groups that are like, uh, competitive like that but I can definitely see that you know uh, though, that there would be like, you know, there's yeah, some people who just want, want to do well right? Yeah uh, so, and you told Jesse at that point that Jesse we will always invite you and we have never considered you competitive with us that's exactly what i said yeah good that's exactly what just just like that for jesse that's going to make him feel so much better i mean that's all he needs to hear really exactly yeah that's the main point that's right yes you're 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 barely a consideration just just so you know jesse when you're not there your nickname is labradoodle yeah yeah yeah, but but uh, but that but that conversation always struck uh struck me and it stayed with me because like oh there. Like we create, you know, it took him, it took him a while to come to terms with that. Like, you know, like, oh, this isn't, this isn't that group, you know, this isn't that group that's going to, to be playing tournament style every night. You know, we're not the group that's going to be playing, you know, the new game 10 times in a row till we get, you know, perfect at it. Like, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and that's, that's, you know, that causes a certain, uh, Oh, it creates, it, that causes, creates a certain tone. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. and then to say, 
when Jennifer came and, and joined, uh, joined our group, we'd been playing with, Je- I'd been playing with Jennifer for decades, mm-hmm. right? But in terms of, she lives in a very different part of town. So having her come to a Friday night game night and fighting through traffic and all that sort of stuff didn't make a lot of sense. Now she's on our, uh, on our podcast. We got we to gotta have her here. We're, we're really happy to have her here. But there were a couple things that in terms of her, the game culture she's used to and the game culture of our particular game mm-hmm. group, there were a couple mismatches that we had to, to navigate and, and, and get through and get over. One of which is we play a wider variety of games than she is used to to some degree. Like, for instance, Avalon, which is... It's really interesting that even with new players, a lot of times their first experience of our game group is a rollicking game of Avalon. And <laughs> now the good point is that it's rated it's it's weighted one point seven. So hey, easy, come on in. On the other side Acceptable. of the, yes. And boy, oh boy, are you going to get to know people's personalities very, very quickly. You're going to feel like okay, I got a beat on everybody just from playing this game. Now. Sure, that bead is the worst parts of our ass <laughs> of us, but nonetheless, it is. It, it's a really, really. It, I I still think even for people that don't love the game, I think it's a great icebreaker and a great way in mm-hmm. for people. Um, and and Jennifer, you know, she's been playing with with game veterans for for decades. She doesn't need an icebreaker. She just come on, just you know, sure. st- stop with the appetizers, get to the meal. Uh, and, and so here, here's here's the question that I have to like you know. Like, uh, how, how much do we expect people to shift, you know, uh, like to adapt to our culture versus us adapting to them? That's the real question of our time right now, right? Sort of. I mean, I think that culture can mean a lot of different things, right? Yeah, sure. And I, I think if, you, if we're inviting you to, to our game night, um, we're not, you know, we like our game night. And we like sure, it, we, we like it, we like the way it is. We do, we we don't want to change the, the essence of of what it is. Absolutely. That's, that said, there's nothing in what our game night is that is exclusionary based any in any way, shape, or form on who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree it, with that. I think it might I think be our, our yeah, environment is extremely inviting. Well, like when I, a new person sits down with us, I think literally across the board and around the table, every single person couldn't be happier to have a new fun person sitting with us. Sure. Sure. I, I hope so. You know, I, I don't want to always rely on that, though, right? Because you never know. Yeah, but well, you the, never know. That's true. You never know. Well, it's interesting that you say that because, like, this is what, you know, on Trey's episode, we talked about uh, the culture of uh, the uh, Card Against Humanity person, right? You know, of, of yeah. how it how their business came from their game group effectively mm-hmm. and how like, you know, like in their, in their mindset, I I'm projecting, so I don't know, but like, you know, like I don't think that they were thinking they were doing anything ex, you know, excluding people. They were just, here's my group. You know, we've invited you into this group. And then, you know, I know it doesn't really translate perfectly with the corporate corporate environment, but like, mm. you know, there's, there's this real danger of, of how should I say it the best way? I feel like there's this real danger of like relying on the fact that we are comfortable with our group. Uh, and because we are, that means we're inclusive. Like, you know, there's, there's space there to be, I mean, it's a matter of like considering like what really 
our actions create. Does that make sense? So am I being yeah. now? Now I'm definitely rambling. No, 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 no. I, I understand what you're saying entirely. Look, uh, there is there are practical considerations. Practical consideration right. number one is we our our game group right now is about as full as it can be. Right, we yep, we absolutely. literally have situations in which on any given week, when we when this is over, and we're back to getting together in in the real world and play games together, where there are some nights where we you know at at Matt's office, we can't fit another table in, right? We're yeah. we're we're sure. really out of it, and and here. I mean, we could maybe fit another table in, but all of a sudden you've got 15 people. I, I've barely been able to interact with a third of the people that, that are that are here. It's not it's not really yeah. I, I, it's not really ideal. So, uh, in a sense, yes, we are going to be excluding people or exclusive, sure. or we're not. We don't have a, a, a an open door policy in that way, but. The open, but who is invited has uh, how do I put this? Has everything to do with the content of your character, <laughs> and nothing to do no. with the with 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 any anything else, right? I mean, it's it's we we the people that have been in, invited most recently are people like Candace Harris and and Ben sure. Matt Mandelker, and I, I defy you to find more positive. Uh, energetic game fans than those two people, than and then Candace and Ben. They are just they are delights. They're yeah, delights. they're just nice people. Right? Also, I mean, Crazy yes, the nice thing you people. said about games, but just like as a casual gamer who like thinks about people, just they're people, just nice people that you'd want to spend an evening with. Yes. Now, listen, there are other nice people, but they're not. They're not totally gung ho for games. They wouldn't be a fit either because you know you you, you have to ma- you have to match interest as well. True. But yeah, so so no, no, no. It's just it's just interesting. Like, are you know? Would you say that you know because you've had the longest uh, running game at the time? Would you say you've made these decisions consciously or have they been unconscious? Um, I would say they're mostly conscious. I would say okay. they're mostly conscious. There, there are there have been over the years many times when um, Trey or somebody else has said, "Hey, listen, if if you ever want to open up the, the the game night to more people, so and so that 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 we know from Strategicon or we've met at such and such a place or whatever would like to come," um, and whenever that has happened over the years. It's always been one of those things where I, I got to really w- w- think about that and, and weigh that, and and first of all, figure out: Do we really have room for another person? Is there really sure. do, are we really at a at a place to do that? And then if we are, of the many people that might want to come to our game night, is that the person the best fit for our for our group? Right, and and, and yeah. that, that's a that's a that's a calculation that that I I think I think curating a game night is not uh, not a strictly democratic process. I think it is something that that deserves thought and deserves care. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't I, I don't think that I I hope that I don't need to apologize for wanting <laughs> t- wanting to have no listen oh. my, my one night a week uh, I, I want to to get together with good friends that love good games and and enjoy each other's company and are challenging and fun with each other 
right? That's that's what, yeah. that's what I'm looking like, for. You know, like in, in no way am I trying to say that like oh we need to have an open door policy or I'm I guess like when I came up with this topic I was thinking about what are the things that we are choosing and what are the ramifications of those things? Yeah. You know, it, it, it comes down to, it's not, cause it's not so easy. Like, you know, it, it's not so easy as to just say, oh, well, we, we don't mean to be exclusive. So therefore we're not exclusive. Like, you know, it, right. there's, there, there needs to be thought and consideration for you to tailor what your gaming group is going to be, or, or perhaps it should be that way. You know, like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Like, it, it was just something that was on my mind. Like, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff well, the, of this sort out in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it brings up one other thought, which is the worst thing, the hardest thing, is to have somebody in your game group that you have to then disinvite. Oh, that's yeah, right, that's rough. right. That's the hardest thing. That's a that is an awful, awful feeling and an awful, awful experience, and maybe. Uh, uh, maybe a lot of my decisions in terms of who is, you know, who is in, invited to to the this game night are kind of based around that, around uh, mm. uh, uh, wanting sure, sure. wanting to wanting to make sure that I'm that that I'm picking somebody that's got a really good chance of of sticking. Now there have been people that that, that we've had come to game night and then they just don't, you know, that that they choose not to come. Uh, which, or, or come all be, that often, which to I'm to be honest, yeah, uh, I'm like, we're lovely people. Why don't you? Want to- <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, the, the, they're being like, like, oh, you guys would have been a great fit. Oh, you're too good for us. I mean, th- that's my reaction. You know, it, it's one of those <laughs> things where I'm like. I I I hope that they find a, a great a great group that that fits them better. Mm-hmm. That's that's my thought on it. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah. I, got, I got no problem with that. But but I've been just kind of careful not to uh, not to extend an, an invitation to somebody unless I really felt you know I felt that tuning fork go off you know and I felt mm-hmm. like, sure, this, sure. this is this is good people and this is good people that is going to match with our good people. So, yeah. so you're creating a tone. Yeah. 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 And so, what would what would you say our, the group our group tone is? Um, that's a good question. Uh, okay, so so our our group is competitive and serious about games, but that always takes a back seat to fun and the experience that we're having together. So Absolutely, I agree with that. That's that's number one. Um, sure. I think we are irreverent. I think that's yeah. a that that's a big thing that uh, that we are not, you know. We're, I would say that there are some people that might be too nice for our group. That we we are we enjoy um, we enjoy taking each other uh, taking each other down a down a peg or two yeah. from time to time when it's when it's right and appropriate and fun. And we use games as a very safe way to, you know, to, to playfully bat, bat each other back and forth a little bit. The, the way that I would describe that, because I've, I've had a little thought about this, is like I compare our game group uh, to horseplay, you know, when kids are like wrestling with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like to the unsophisticated observer, it might look like they're fighting. But uh, what really is happening is they're having fun, and the way you know that they're they're not fighting versus having fun is 
one, they're smiling. Yeah. But two, there is this taking turn of who's on top and who's on bottom. Yeah. You know, there's this, and I feel like in our group, there's this like cycling of like, oh, this person is going to be the one who punches down today and the, and then, but it's going to be okay because tomorrow that's going to switch. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And, and, it, and it's like a that's safe something place. Very special that we have with, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're a bunch of people who can all take a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And, and, but this is not to say that this is superior no. because uh, this only to say that this is what our group is. My my brothers in a, in a group of people that get together and play games, and they are not that way at all. They are just they are just nice, good guys and girls that like to get together, enjoy each other's company, and play very peaceful, very fun games. And 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 there is no taking anybody down a peg or any of that sort of stuff going on. They just they just get together to play games, and 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 they're very they're they're more uh, tranquil than <laughs> than we are. And I think that's that's a wonderful uh, method too. Um, Whatever makes you happy. Yeah, I, I, I listen. I, I do think that that in the wrong hands, our dynamic could go horribly awry. That that we that we need to be, you know, that 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 even we need to watch ourselves to some degree and make sure that the the ribbing and the this and the, the, that you know we need to, to occasionally do check ins and make sure that everybody's cool. Yeah, no, like, like we're playing a little bit with fire, a little bit. I mean, we're playing with feelings. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but it's also, I, I'd like to think that we all agree that no one is ever saying anything with anything other than good intentions. Like nobody sure. ever makes a joke meaning to hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And yet, uh, I, I certainly don't. And I never have felt that when I was, let's say, the butt of a joke, I never thought that it was because that person was angry or upset or wanted to make me feel bad. Sure, but at the same time, like I, I, I love it when Dimitri loses his crap because you try, you're doing something that uh, he feels like is uh, inappropriate, not inappropriate, like that you said you wouldn't do in the game, unfair, and he unfair, and he just gets up and walks away, and you know, and he <laughs> might go home, it, it, and and I understand, like that, that's not the best. It might not be feeding the best part of me, but it is hilarious. It's great theater. <laughs> You know, it, 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 it's such great theater, which is what I come for. Like, you know, I, I come for these like big, you know, you know, swinging emotions all in this safe space. You know, like, like yeah. I, which is what I, I feel like I try to do. I try to create the sense of stake that everyone has, this emotional stake that, you know, they want to win. They want to, to, you know, they can taste it, you know, in their mouth and then someone gets heartbroken. And I'm totally fine if it's me. I'm totally fine if I'm the one who loses my crap uh, that day and goes nonlinear and everyone's laughing at me. Because, like, you know, it's, it's, part, of the, it's part of the horseplay. Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, but, yeah, but I, I wouldn't raise, like, Logan this way. Uh, not yet, at least. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not introducing any agents of chaos at this development stage. No. Nor should you. And I'm not. No. I'm not recommending what we're doing to anyone. <laughs> I think no, that, you just I think still that, have to know what your group of friends is comfortable with, exactly with right. each other. Exactly. Uh, you know, it ultimately is what this. That's why I wanted to talk about was basically, like, really identifying what your specific game group culture is. Like, you know, just to think about that. Like, what you guys are trying to achieve. And I think that like knowing is better than not knowing. Yeah. 
Knowing is half the battle. G.I. <laughs> <Yeah>, Joe. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's do a board game sommelier before we head out. Sound good? Yeah. Cool beans. Here Absolutely. we go. Let's do it. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with my mom, my dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. As my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master. The game sommelier. All right, we got a... So, so with that song, why I feel like we should do is speed it up 4% each time. <laughs> well, you listen to it at two times, don't you? I, I, I listen at two times, yes. But like, that's, if everyone listens That's to insane. It, uh, yeah, I don't know how your brain processes that. That's well, you know, that's I'm, awful. That's like it's the same reason I don't speed read. It's just it, it takes all of the joy out of it. I don't get it. But okay, Sedge Troll wrote, "I've been playing a lot of games on Board Game Arena: La Granja, Teotihuacan, Yokohama, Roll for the Galaxy, Stone Age, In the Year of the Dragon, Kalis, Takenoko, Downforce, Puerto Rico, Zulkin." Terra Mystica, and I've tried a few others as well, as well. And of course, Eminent Domain. What should I be looking at there? I played Signore once or twice some time ago, and it didn't blow me away. I haven't tried Madeira. I'm a little concerned I will hate the output randomness. I tried the Ruhr once, and I found it pretty lame. Oh, and it looks like Marco Polo is in beta on there now. I'll get my friends to jump on that one with me. What else should we be playing specifically on BGA, Board Game Arena. Mm. Um, I'm going to start by just saying I don't understand what output randomness problem Madeira has. I don't get it. You should be playing Madeira. It is astonishing. It is the, of, of all of the games on Board Game Arena, it is, it, it and Through the Ages are the masterpieces. They are head and shoulders above uh, above the rest of the games there. It's astonishing. So definitely start with that. Um, Paul, what you know, Marco Polo, obviously, now that it's in, and, uh, it's in beta. And, uh, if you like Marco Polo, base Marco Polo. Like, you know, I feel uh, I played it. It, it. it plays great. Uh, I will say that, you know, you have picked a lot of great games. In fact, like, all the ones that I would have recommended are kind of here. <laughs> uh, mm. I, I play Love Letters, you know, with random people, and I play uh, Seven Wonders. Uh, although, like, you know, I, I've lost, they've lost their luster. <laughs> Paul, like, Paul uh, did you notice that Keyflower is not on this list? Uh, yeah, yeah Keyflower, you know, like, once again, after Trey broke it with his degenerate solution, I, I, I go, like, oh, obviously, like, <laughs> it is not broken it's broken until the next person breaks it exactly a key flower is good like you know what i have found though because i have been playing a lot of like i played signore and, and i i thought it was pretty much the same way uh uh what's his name steady troll 07 sedge troll yeah sedge troll yeah like I, I felt the same way uh i would actually if you're looking for something like i've been playing what i, I played the obelisk game with Jennifer on Tabletopia. Yes. And what I found very interesting about it was playing a, Russian Railroads. You, you might want to consider Russian Railroads on, uh, on yeah. uh, a board game arena. Uh, what I found uh, 
was that not having the automation made the game more fun for me. And I know it's, oh. it seems like it, it's uh, a little backwards, mm. but w- I'm finding that playing a lot of things that are automated, I'm not getting the texture that I would normally get. You know, like there's, there's almost like if, if like games are like poker, like mm. where you're all, you only play poker when you have stake because like otherwise there's nothing. Kind of the stake that you're playing with in board games is like the time that you're spending. But if the time that you're spending is minimized by uh, this automation, you kind of lose that sense of stake. And so, like, a lot of games are blending for me in BGA. They're just, you know, we're just moving through them, we're, we're doing the action, and it doesn't, there's no real, I'm, I feel like I might be losing some satisfaction because I'm playing on BGA. I might start shifting to Tabletopia and uh, Tabletop Simulator again. Uh-huh. Despite the fact Paul, that... Paul, when like, you, you play know, with... When you play with randos on the uh, on the internet, do you are you talking to them? I am not. I'm not. Right. So that uh, must make it a lot less fun. Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Right? But, I mean, because I know for myself, if I were going to try and do that, I, I I don't know that I could I don't know. It's like might as well just play the computer then. But but you know, but like uh Alfred is uh is plays a lot of uh, people like, you know, he played a, he has a lot of reps of Russian Railroad. Uh, playing with randos and like he's learning a lot. Yeah, but so, you know, playing with Alfred is basically like playing with a rando who you don't talk to. The ting ting. Oh man. Yeah. So, so 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 the the quick answer is like try Russian railroads. Yep. Uh, try Keyflower. Um, I'm going to throw out a few more because there are. There is gold in them, Thar Hills, that you have unexplored, okay? Uh, City of Big Shoulders is in beta right now. It is incredible. It is uh, basically 18xx without, uh, without trains. Uh, have, you played it? have you played it on BGA? I have not yet. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it problematic? I don't know. I, I haven't tried. We haven't tried it. It's, it's on the list of, of things we're going to Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nippon. Nippon is a very, very good game uh, by uh, What's Your Game uh, that's worth trying. Twa. Is on BGA is on BGA and was not mentioned by Sedge Troll. So Chwa is incredible. Clans of Caledonia, holy cow! When I played that recently, it, it it just blew me away how great that game still is to this day. And then um, uh, Santorini, if you if you're into a little two player experience, Santorini is quite an amazing chess like game. That's uh, really incredible. And then a, a little hidden gem, a little game that that I quite. I quite enjoy uh, it's kind of a medium weight euro Hawaii is uh, a surprisingly good little game it's a really solid game and I highly recommend people check that out we, we, we played it a lot live you know but we it, it had like a, a six month play period for us like we played a lot of it and then we stopped yeah I, I, I don't know if we stopped because I, I think we just stopped because the number of other games that we started playing just just became unwieldy, but I, I don't think it's because the mm. game isn't. It, it doesn't still hold up. I don't think. I don't think people realize that that uh, the emperor has no clothes in terms of that one. Right? No, no, no. Okay. Cool. Uh, so yeah. Did you? Central. That's a lot. Of I mean, stuff. Un- unfortunately, BGA doesn't have sorry, but you can find it online. <laughs> There we go. Oh, Love that's it. awesome. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure always to, to hang out with you guys virtually. Uh, a, a really, really fantastic. Thanks so much for, for 
thanks for your friendship. That's what I'm going to say today. Oh, well, so thank you for your friendship too, Tom. <laughs> no, I, I meant I meant uh, oh, I meant Jake on that one. You're so you're you're my you're your family. You don't count. Uh, that's right. I don't count. That, <laughs> I, I'm barely a person. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I I have to super be super fun. You guys. I have to be nice to you. Everyone else, I can choose whether or not to be nice to. It there means more there. for me, basically, that he's nice. That's the thing. There you go. That's right. There you go. Dude. Yeah. You're the big yeah. winner. Ladies and gentlemen, sorry with your boy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a YouTube channel. <laughs> it's youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Game Brain Pod. We have a face, Facebook group, a Discord channel. Please get in those Game Sommelier questions. I think we only have one or two left in the bag. And. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson and Tom Donnelly. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music, and you know him as Alfred on the show. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. You can also reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening, and go play some games with friends online or virtually make some friends with games. <laughs>